Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas, who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. For this episode, I have an engineer who's done the research on fasting with his data-driven fasting. He's Marty Kendall from Down Under, and you'll get to meet him right after this. Did you put off that remodel this year because you thought, I don't know who to call for these kinds of things. I don't know who has luxury vinyl flooring, wonderful hardwoods, kitchen and bath products. Well, you haven't been listening to the Lisa Fisher Said podcast then because my listeners know there is one name in Arkansas. It's Akel's Carpet One, A-K-E-L, Akel's Carpet One run by the outstanding Akel family, Richard Akel. A lot of people know that guy, and you definitely know his family if you've ever dealt with them for flooring, kitchen and bath, all the things. I'm on their website right now, and I'm looking at some of the products they have. Now, the best to me is to go in store and let them show you because they got a ton of stuff. But your dilemma might be, I mean, all of us, what's it going to cost? Guys, they beat the big box store prices. Nobody else does that. You can shop at home on their website and just learn from the experts, look at all the things, and then have someone from their stores come to your home, measure, get you all set up, and have it installed. They have the best installers too. I know because I'm a customer. AcosCarpetOne.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. So Marty, this is how it's done. This is how we do it in the U.S. We just start talking when it's a podcast and hope people are hanging on to their steering wheels or their devices. Okay, because you have an amazing story and that you combine your love for fasting with a love for your beautiful wife and your love for data. Wouldn't you say that's kind of the three things that kind of fold into who you are? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey taking nutrition, fasting, data, all coming together. And I, I luckily know nothing. F- I'm not formally trained in any of it. And uh, I just needed answer that, that worked. And I had the data from myself and a lot of people and more importantly, my wife, 24-7, seeing her CGM and her insulin and everything that happens. And you can't lie to that. Okay, well, this is where your story is so unique because we have a caveat when we talk to people about intermittent fasting. We say, please check with your healthcare provider if you are pregnant, nursing, um, we we recommend, don't recommend it for that or or children. And then we have a caveat with type 1 diabetics. I I don't know what you can do. (laughs) Type 2 diabetics, we know we can cure it for them. But type 1 have a different modality. They, They come from a different group of people. So let's talk about the challenges your wife had and then how you turned her life around with intermittent fasting. The challenges of type 1. Explain what type 1 diabetes is just to remind people. Yeah, type 1 and type 2 are are similar but different. And it just gives you a a really fascinating insight into how insulin actually works in the body and how food actually affects your body and what you eat, your blood sugars and your weights and everything. So it's just a a really great laboratory to look at my wife's blood sugars. And over the last few years, being hooked up to a CGM and over the last year, a a closed loop CGM, which drops out insulin to stabilize her blood sugars all the time. So it's just been a really amazing journey for me to learn as an engineer, just loving the data. Um, I suppose it all started 
20 years ago when we got married and decided to have kids and it got pretty important because a lot of complications with diabetic pregnancies and we tried to dial in as best we could and over the last probably 10 years we've just been fine-tuning and learning more and more and more but um type 1 is basically where your pancreas fails completely and doesn't produce enough insulin basically produces no insulin so they have to inject all the insulin and my wife uses a insulin pump connected to a, a cgm and a little algorithm that just drips in enough to to give her enough insulin to bring her blood sugars down and and when they're too low it drops the insulin right down so it'll it'll enable her blood sugars to come back up so it's all about keeping the blood sugars in that range but i suppose the first thing we learned was that too many carbohydrates you know the starchy carbohydrates the sugar just send you on this roller coaster that's really hard to get off and really hard to manage so it's really important to stabilize that but then the next learning is you know the majority of her insulin is all about stopping her body from disintegrating so if a type 1 takes no insulin at all they'll just basically all their their muscle their fat and everything else will just disintegrate into her bloodstream and be peed out oh, and wow. she'll have elevated blood sugars elevated ketones elevated free fatty acids and i suppose that was my thing with the the keto journey is that a lot of people think they can turn off their pancreas which they can't they can't really stop their pancreas producing insulin by what they eat because everything they eat triggers insulin to some degree what they've got to do is is manage what they eat so they don't have as much body fat to hold in storage and that reduces their basal insulin and then everything's happy from there so i suppose that's the my unique take on insulin and the role in the body and you know my learning and my journey well i have for a long time maligned insulin and made it an enemy but the more I understand it, we have to have it for mm. every cell in our body. Oh, it's completely critical um, to have enough insulin, but not right. too much, and yeah, like your, everything in the body. Right. That's right. And as your wife's journey would tell you, she would die without it. She mm. would have organ failure mm. without insulin. Mm, totally. The problem is we live in an overfed mm. society where we've called insulin out to play. Yeah. And hey, insulin, you're drunk, go home. <laughs> we have way too much totally. and because of it, we, we have an epidemic of insulin resistance. Yep. I just read Dr. Bickman's yep. book, uh, Why We Get Fat. He's a PhD researcher, yep. as you know, yep. uh, from uh, Brigham Young University. And he, uh, uh, w one of my other guests likened him, Stephen Hawking to physics <laughs> is uh, Benjamin Bickman yep. to insulin. His, yeah. his knowledge of insulin opened my eyes in yeah. such a way that I now see that the enemy isn't PCOS. Yep. It's insulin resistance to call yeah. the PCOS, yeah. or he even says endometriosis. I mean, he has a whole, he, he mentions so many diseases. And of course we know type one diabetes. So in the 20 years you've been married, when did the insulin pump uh, come into play? Was that in the last 20 years? Yeah, we've, um, Molly's been on an insulin pump maybe for about seven years. And then over the last okay. yeah. 18 months, we've been able to, the technology has been out there from sort of, very motivated parents and people with type one to get the closed right. loop system going, which then and what does that mean? It, yeah, that great me. question. Um, so you take the continuous glucose monitor data, and then every five minutes, the closed loop algorithm will take. Okay, is the blood sugar going up? You need more insulin. Is the blood sugar going down? You need less insulin. So it's 
continually adjusting her insulin like minute like every five minutes it makes a new calculation to decide how much it's insulin it's going to give her for the next half an hour so it's just really a beautiful thing and and it just basically emulates a, a functioning pancreas so yeah her, her quality of life with stable blood sugars is radically different so it's really exciting and she ended up having children right yeah yeah we've and got pregnancies. two amazing uh, wonderful yeah. children and the, the son is about three inches taller than me and i'm not that sure i'm now. sorry it happens yeah. it's completely jacked and lean and obviously yeah, yeah we haven't killed them Isn't with a weird dietary approach yet. Yeah, that's great. Um, any other type one diabetics in her family, in her lineage? Uh, no, she's got a sort of a family, uh, you know, her side of the family's got some autoimmune issues. So it seems to run in mm -hmm. the autoimmune spectrum to some degree, although they don't, they don't right. quite oh, understand yeah. why it triggers, but something in the environment, whether it's the, the toxins or the food or something yeah. is triggering yeah. pancreatic failure to the point that, they can't produce insulin so yeah very um uh, injected insulin's only been a thing for 100 years so it's it's really exciting the that you know she wouldn't have made it and no yeah and without the knowledge we've had her quality of life you know 20 years ago is radically different to what it is now we think the internet is the most amazing <laughs> advancement in the last 100 years Talk to someone with type 1 diabetes or their parents, yeah. and they'll say, I beg to differ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Insul I mean, insulin's very important. It really important. is. Yeah, it's really amazing. And if you understand, isn't it the Latin for diabetes mellitus is um, the terms like sugar or honey or uh, urine yeah, yeah, yeah. and they honey. It's, it's, it's so sweet that what they produce yeah. in their urine and I think that was, I don't know how that, I guess maybe they just do blood glucose now to see if you have it. But yeah, so they, if don't, you they, don't, sugar, they don't taste a urine anymore, but that was how they no. did identify people no, with diabetes. But, <laughs> yeah, there was a time they did. Glad we're past that advancement too. I, I, I wouldn't be doing that every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. You love her, but dot, but, dot, yeah, dot. Yeah. No, no, no. I got it. Okay, so uh, looking at your book, yep. and we're going to put all oh, cool. information you. about you, Marty, in the show notes. Um, there was a time that you were a, a beefier man. That's yeah. what we in the U.S. call someone who weighed more. <laughs> and and you're and it, it's a gentle way for me to say it. And your wife with type one diabetes. I always thought they couldn't have weight problems. Oh yeah, because they didn't produce the insulin. And insulin, besides being important, it's a fat storing hormone. Yep. But your wife was heavier than yep. she is now. Yeah, we've both improved so, our weight a whole lot since then. So what came first with you? Was it uh, the data? Was it the the quest to lose weight and you wanted to see if fasting would work? Because again, there would be a caveat with fasting with a type 1 diabetic. Mm, so mm. how did you walk into this, this new life of yours? Uh, yeah, I suppose initially it was a matter of getting the insulin matched to her diet. And then it was the next question is, okay, if you need insulin for the carbohydrate, particularly she's eating, then what is, you know, what foods will help her not have to inject so much insulin? So she's not on the blood sugar roller coaster. But then I realized that just swinging to the other extreme and just eating fat and avoiding protein and all carbohydrates left a lot of people who are really hardcore keto believers overweight at the same time and i realized that wait this isn't working it, it's you know fat isn't that satiating it is easy to overeat particularly you know it's worse when it's fat and carbs together and we just binge on the donuts and croissants and cookies but you know sure it, it's not course. it's not the fat it's the 
it's the protein and the nutrients that make you satiated that then allow your body fat to drop and then your basal insulin to drop. So I think that's that's the interesting, unique thing you talked about, Ben Bickman, and he talks about insulin toxicity. But insulin only rises because your body's trying to hold more fat, more energy and storage than it needs to. So really the upstream issue is not insulin toxicity, it's really energy toxicity oh. driven by our obesogenic food environment that's just fat and carbs right. together that food manufacturers have realised that we love to buy and we love to eat. And they love to sell them to us because they're all subsidized products of big-scale agriculture. So, yeah. It's gross. <laughs> it is. I, I've, I've griped about this so much. The, my little organic farmers here that oh. I buy their foods every Saturday at the farmer's market. Good on you. Don't get $1 in subsidies. They're yeah. barely hanging Crazy, on. But yet, my granddaughter just ate some Lay's potato chips, which I had a few and yep. they were delicious. <laughs> and I normally don't eat them. And you know what I noticed, too? I just had some about an hour ago. She was over here. Um, she found them because my husband, I'm like, oh, shoot, the stash. She found the stash. <laughs> so we opened them. She had some. I ate some. And because I don't eat Franken foods, I yep. don't eat plastic yep. uh, things from packages and stuff, um, it wrecked my satiety. Mm. My barometer went off in my satiety. Mm. And I, even though I was eating some, I, I, I'm so sensitive that when I eat, let's say, lima beans mm. and a steak, mm. I, my insulin it, is regulate to the point where my apostat tells me you don't need any more food. Mm. I never totally. felt it just now. Now I didn't eat a hundred potato chips, yep. but I had 20 or so. Yep. And typically if I had 20 of anything else, my brain would go ding, ding, ding. We're yep. done. Leptin would say we're done. Yep. But with those stupid Lay's potato chips or ruffles, whatever they were. <laughs> sorry, Mr. Lay's, Mr. Ruffles. Um, I never felt it. Yeah, so totally. anyone listening right now, the food, <laughs> those I promise you, they have marketing departments and research yeah, departments yeah. and engineers who are trying to yeah. make you eat more. Yeah, yeah. there's a whole so, lot of food scientists out there who've perfected the foods that will make you overeat. So my isn't that crazy? big question is, you know, how do we analyze food to reverse engineer that to try and understand what is it about food that tends us to make it overeat and undereat and just mimic the people that are eating less calories rather than more calories and design diet right, around well, that. Well, there's no money in that. Well, I mean, you know, I'm, it just, you know. <laughs> it's the science that you like. You, you yeah. like the why. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I've, I've got a day job so I can afford to do the analysis and put it out there and say, you know, I know, you know, the, the, our Western economies are going bankrupt because of our yeah. health conditions. And we're oh, subsidizing every the, day. The, the agricultural crops that are making us obese and driving right. massive bankruptcy of Western populations, not to mention the metabolic disease that has cancer and diabetes and Alzheimer's right. and everything else we fear. It's all due to the food that we can't stop eating that is subsidized and created to try and get us out of the food shortages of the 50s and 60s but we've really solved the energy crisis and created a diabetes crisis that you know, it's, it's really it's hard to unravel so and it's all based on non-renewable energy from oil and natural gas that we throw into our crops and produce food yeah. so we're just eating yeah. non-renewable energy that eventually runs out and you know yeah yeah, it's crazy. Um, I saw a meme the other day that said, um, don't complain about eating. You think eating organic foods is expensive. Wait until you have diabetes, totally. cancer, 
uh, all the conditions mm. and the money you have to pay out then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime I go you near know, a doctor, it, make- it takes you forever and it's such a waste of time, but the money is just insane. It's so yeah, pro- being sick is so profitable. It is. Last week, my husband had to have a uh, – my husband is has 8% body fat and he looks like a former NFL player, but he had to have an old – um, wound opened up after 22 years. Wow. He had MRSA. It's a deadly staph infection. It popped back open. And so when he was at the hospital, Marty, when he just to get him to, to sign off on the surgery, sir, do you have type 2 diabetes? What is your blood glucose? Do you have sleep apnea? Wow. Do you have sores that won't heal? They deal, most people they deal with are so sick yeah. that when you have somebody in there who just has an old wound that has to be surgically cleaned out because we tried every other way to avoid it. But Every question was directed toward the obesity app. That's yeah. what they see yeah. in hospitals. Oh, totally. In fact, um, it, w- it was a hospital that also has bariatric patients. So that is morbidly obese mm. patients who are on these gurneys. Mm. And so the chairs are wider, the, mm. everything is wider. And mm. my husband at 6'1 and 200 pounds and wow. you know this upper body that's impressive, <laughs> they even said, we don't see people like you. <laughs> Because it was a heart hospital, and who do they see at the heart hospital? Yeah, all the diabetics, fat people who are sick. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. So when they were going through everything, they were like, "Nope, nope, no." I mean, it, it sleep apnea. They came back. They're like, "Sure, you don't have sleep apnea." Because I guess a lot of people forget because sleep apnea affects their their memory. But we're like, "Nope, still don't have it." And since the five minutes you asked earlier, so no, it's it's crazy. And and I will say this, yeah. and this isn't critical toward that facility when um, I was walking through the hospital, go see him back mm. in the little post-surgical, the nurses, food trays, mm. because they're they're living on crazy schedules. They are mm. overworked right mm. now. Mm. We, we have a terrible crisis in the mm. U.S. with uh, staffing and hospitals, but their nutrition, I wanted to go down the hall and talk to all of them mm. and say, have you considered intermittent fasting? Because you would, <laughs> they were drinking their candy coffee that was this big yeah, yeah. because they needed energy, yeah, right, yeah. to get through the next shift, yeah. which I want to say, don't eat yeah. and you will have more energy yeah. than you would ever know. Totally. That, that's when people think we're crazy. Okay, so you and your wife, you started on the journey. Yep. Uh, weight loss was a goal then and yep. the data at the same time, right? Yeah. So tell me how you walked into fasting. What was the first thing you started yeah, doing? Yeah, well, I suppose started with the, the, the nutrition and trying to dial that in to stabilize the blood sugars. And then five years ago, keto and intermittent fasting were just you know, booming and got on that wagon just you know we we did low carb and paleo and really got amazing results from that and then keto was the next thing and everybody was chasing ketones and measuring their ketones and thought you know let's check this out let's have a look at the data and um was fairly entrenched in that community for a while but then i suppose noticed that a lot of people were uh you know over the long term not getting great results and the people with the highest ketones weren't necessarily the healthiest um yeah, but, but definitely fell in with, you know, Jason Fung and, and the early um, fasting trend that was really blossoming five years ago. So I tried, you know, long-term fasting, extended fasting, fasted for seven days and really got into all that literature and getting my head around it. And we had a optimizing nutrition group who are a bunch of nerdy, research-orientated people who were sharing all the cool things they learned. I just learned so much from that. And I was just having a whole lot of fun with with my friends. So, um, yeah, got into all that. But I suppose similar to keto, I noticed there's a whole lot of things that um, 
doing more of it doesn't necessarily lead, lead to better outcomes. So you have to f- try and find the, the optimal balance that leads towards long-term beneficial outcomes, which is really a better body composition, better you know, waist-to-height ratio, lower body That's fat, all those sorts of things. very important what you're so, saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So through my experiments, found that going longer wasn't necessarily better and saw that a lot of people that were going for weeks on end and then refeeding on not so optimal foods weren't getting the best results in the long term. So I suppose using the data, I tried to balance the extremes of, you know, what to eat and when to eat to sort of bring the two together using blood sugars and a bit of data. So what were you worried about with your wife's condition um, with making sure if her pancreas doesn't make insulin mm. and you were you were manipulating it yep. in a way by feeding yep. and feasting and yep. uh, fasting. So what what was your biggest concern for her? Was it she wouldn't dip below 80 and she wouldn't come over 120? Yeah, yeah. But and a blood glucose? Basically for people with type 1s, it's quite hard to keep a, a normal range. So the, the carby foods will bump her blood sugar up a lot and then she's you have to use a lot of insulin to get the blood sugars back down so then she crashes and it's that roller coaster that that Mm -hmm. is really awful because you feel like if you overdose with injected insulin your blood sugar will go low because your body's basically holding back all the energy and storage so you feel compelled to overeat at that point so if you're injecting insulin Uh, jason fung says i can make you fat by injecting insulin but in reality nobody is running around with an insulin pen injecting your butt with insulin so it's it's a little bit different for people in um who aren't type one who aren't injecting it's good to have stable blood sugars but you know it's it's the managing what you eat to provide like we said greater satiety and then dialing in when you eat so you eat when you need to refuel. So if you see your, my wife's blood sugars, when her blood sugars are really high, you don't. it, it doesn't make sense to add in more food at that point because they'll just send them higher. But once the blood sugars oh. go back down, it's definitely mm-hmm. time to eat. And when she goes to a point um, below 80, below 70 in, in your sort of terms, it's definitely time to eat to bring them back up a little bit. So I suppose those insights really helped me develop data-driven fasting that helps to use blood sugars to time when you eat. So if your blood sugars are high, you don't need to refuel, but when your blood sugars are low, definitely time to refuel again because you do need the energy at that point. And what you eat really helps to, has a massive effect on your blood sugars, like carbs will boost your blood sugars, fat will sort of keep your blood sugars stable and stop them from dropping over the long term. So you sort of have to find the balance to to be able to eat again regularly and yeah blood sugars are really powerful to help you reflect on that so you're saying then this high fat diet that we've all kind of said that we thought was a great idea doesn't necessarily produce the satiety we thought um yeah it's fascinating and that that was the the learning experience for me because i went from you know low carbs good keto is better eat fat to satiety, but then when I did the number crunching, just eating fat isn't that satiating. It's really easy to overeat. You know, everybody's on the bulletproof coffee and you can you say, I feel so full, but hey, you just had a thousand calories worth of 
butter and MCT <laughs> oil. That's why you feel <laughs> right. full. It makes a whole lot of sense. And maybe yeah. your blood sugars aren't moving much, but you didn't get the protein, you didn't get the nutrients. So later on, you're going to be craving for those those nutrients. So definitely the first step is to stabilize your blood sugars in the healthy range. So if your blood sugars are, are swinging by more than 30 points, say they go from 100 to 130, you might want to dial back the carbohydrate. But once you get stable blood sugars, the next step is to dial back the dietary fat so you can use your body fat. And then what's left, okay. it's the protein and the nutrients. So you just need to, if, if your goal is to lose weight and achieve greater satiety, it's a matter of going, okay, do I need to refuel? What am I going to eat? It's going to be the, I'm going to prioritize protein and nutrients because my body needs that, but it's got heaps of glucose in my blood and fat on my belly, so I don't need as much of that. I'm not going to go radical protein sparing modified fast, chicken breast and broccoli only for a month because your body will eventually go, I need energy, I need energy, and you'll binge. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll get the Lay's potato chips out and just down the whole right. thing. But you just need to dial it back a right. little bit to help stabilize your blood sugars by dialing back the carbs and lose body fat by dialing back the dietary fat just progressively, and then you can fine-tune it with when you eat with your blood sugars as a guide, as your fuel gauge. So do you tell people then to get a continuous glucose monitor to start yeah. with the data? Um, we just use the, the, the simple glucometer um, just, oh, just because okay. it's, A, it's cheap. Um, a lot of people with type 2 diabetes can get them pretty much for free. And the CGMs, the really good ones, the Dexcom is quite expensive and you have to calibrate a couple of times a day anyway. And a lot of the time, more data is not necessarily better for compliance. A lot of people go, oh, okay, my blood sugar is below my trigger. I can, I should eat now. So they you know, start eating, but it's, you can just use your, your glucose to validate your hunger. You say, I feel hungry, hungry. I'm going to test my blood sugar. Yes, my blood sugar is low. I need to eat or no, it's above my trigger. I don't need to eat yet. I can wait a little bit. So that just the minimum effective dose of data is better than more data all of the time. Everybody thinks they want to be a biohacker, but you can't mm-hmm. track everything all the time or you, you, your subconscious brain just explodes. You can't, like, you can't think of your, your pet puppy. You can't tell it, you can't teach it to do eight new things on day one. You have to do, let's train it to do one thing, not pee inside. And then once it does that after a couple of weeks, you know, what are we going to train it to do next? Right. You can't retrain your subconscious. You can't build new habits with a whole lot of inputs all at once. You just need the minimum effective dose of data. So just to calibrate your hunger with your blood sugars is just what we've found to be the most powerful way of doing. I guess because some people might look at the data, like you're saying, and not whether their brain, let's say that, let's say they're having satiety, yet their blood sugar might be going south. Yep. Do you listen to your brain or do you listen to what your blood glucose is doing? Yeah, so it's just a matter of validating your hunger. Am I really hungry? We, we feel hungry. We think we're hungry because, you know. Right, those sometimes chi- we want water. Yeah, or, or, mm-hmm. or, or, your, or those chips. Your daughter's got up. the chips, so right. we've got yummy leftovers in right. the fridge and you dream right. of those and you go, am I really hungry or is it just, you know, mm-hmm. the time I usually eat? Do I really need to refuel? Right. So a um, lot of shortcomings with calorie counting but if your pre-meal blood sugar is continually dropping you're in an energy deficit and you'll be losing body fat because your your glucose has to be burnt off first and once you've 
dropped your glucose, you then start burning more body fat. So it's not all or nothing. You always burn fat and carbs at the same time or glucose and body fat at the same time. But as you drop your glucose by waiting a little bit longer and choosing wisely, you'll be burning more body fat. So it's just a, a gentle way of guiding down your weight loss journey without having to track your food. Yeah, because that makes some people crazy too. The the constant tracking, yeah. the constant, all of it. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that to me is the best selling point of an intermittent fasting discipline yeah. is for me. And of course, I, I didn't have much weight to lose. Yep. And I'm slim and I haven't had to battle. So I, yeah. I don't have the battle a lot of people do. And I'm not saying I do. Yeah. But I know those people, especially, I know the clients I coach mm. who have for years had food diaries and turned things in mm. and they got no results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What they love is the freedom yeah, totally. of reducing the amount of hours in the day they eat. Yeah. And they've watched their health improve. Yeah, totally. And th there's a study of um, people with anorexia. Like I think it was seventy three percent of people with anorexia said they tracked with my fitness pal and about the same percentage said that the tracking actually contributed to their anorexia. So people are literally Gosh, lose, losing their mind through tracking. Because if you eat the same food and just try to eat less of it, like your your amygdala, your lizard brain, your instincts that want to keep you alive, uh, you you're setting your smartphone app up against your survival instincts and eventually you know one of them's got to break one of them's going to lose it's it's all about changing what you eat that enables you to not eat so regularly but yeah the, the glucose can be a useful guide to know do i need to eat two times a day three times a day you know and how do those foods affect my blood sugars and satiety yeah Hi folks, just a moment here to talk to you about something I've embarked on and I sometimes weave it into and out of the conversations that I have on my podcast. And it's how I'm now a certified integrative nutrition health coach, thanks to the wonderful professional staff at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City. I chose the six month program. My daughter is doing the year long program. It's whichever program you prefer, but I'm putting the link in the show notes in the event that you want to embark on the same journey. You will invest both in your own life and it'll help you professionally. You'll make money doing it and you'll love seeing people reach their health goals. That's what a health coach does. Health coaching is the future. We have more people on medicine now than we've ever had before. We don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system and health coaches help these people oftentimes, not always, sometimes get off their medicines, eat healthier, do things all in every part of their life to lead healthier lives. You will champion them and you will feel great doing it. I feel better just in the things I've learned at IIN. Check the show notes for the link. The, with your when you and your wife first started and it was part science experiment part weight loss plan <laughs> how, how much weight did you lose then oh well um each of you yeah i went from 116 kilos i got down to 78 at my lowest and probably decided i wanted to be strong rather than skinny now but um and she went from it was about 85 down to to 69 kilos so whatever that is in us pounds of not sure off the top of my head but yeah a fair bit of weight and i have no idea and and, and the, the quality of life is the biggest thing we just feel more energetic yeah. and um she doesn't need to 
just scrape through life and feel like she's, yeah. Well, the important thing is she feels good every day. Yeah. And a lot of diabetics, type ones and twos, don't say that. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk now about when you were, you were tweaking because you yeah. went from higher fat and you may have dropped your fat because protein still, yeah, protein still are a pal in all this. You yeah, haven't totally. mentioned a lot about um, complex carbohydrates, yep. though. I mean, they're important. So tell me about what your diet journey's been, how you started, and what you kind of do now. Yeah, I, I suppose going from normal, you know, eating the pasta carbonara and all the yummy pizza and whatever because right. when we got married we went hey we're free and right. we're gonna enjoy all this food and we both right. packed on a fair bit of weight right. and her a1c was up like 10 or 11 which is crazy oh wow um, it was really really scary looking back um but yeah and then finding reducing carbohydrates really healthy and then helpful for especially type ones and that really helps to stabilize your blood sugars and improve your appetite but then as I went further along with the, the keto low carb thing, I realized that more fat, you know, fat's not a free food basically. So yeah, then just looking at, okay, if, if you want to lose weight, then, you know, what should you eat? If you want to gain weight, what should you eat? If you want to stabi stabilize your blood sugars, what should you eat? And then sort of trying to design different prescriptions and different nutritional profiles for different goals. And it all comes down to just getting enough nutrients which includes protein as amino acids with not too much energy so it's just dialing back that equation saying what foods contain the nutrients you need every day and how do i get that without too much energy most people need a little bit less energy so they need a higher nutrient density but if you're a elite athlete and marathoner you still need the nutrients but you can you need a lot more energy so you can just sort of dial that up and down with more fat and carbs if you need a lot of activity and dialing back the fat and carbs the easy energy um if you don't need if you've got plenty of stored energy that you want to get rid of now one thing we preach in our lives as intermittent fasters is in the beginning we are burning off the glycogen stores yep. in our liver and then we empty them. Mm. So do we truly empty them? And then do I fill mine back up every day or do mine stay empty? Because I can fast for easily 24 hours, easily 24 hours. I mean, I yep. don't want to every day, but I can if I have to. Yeah. But is, am I, do I refill my glycogen stores or no? Yeah, I see it like a, a sponge. Your liver is like a sponge that... Um, you refill and then you deplete, but you don't completely exhaust it ever. You don't go to zero because once your glucose drops, you start to use more fat. So you just bring it down to a healthy level where the sponge isn't overfilled. It's okay. not overinflated like a balloon. So you just bring it back down to a healthy level. But if you get, if your blood sugars are 60, 70 in, in, um, milligrams per deciliter, then you probably need to eat at that point to bring your blood sugars up because you just want to keep them in a healthy range. But most people with a functioning pancreas and not injecting insulin are, you know, way mm -hmm. above that and they need to drop it rather than, you know, but if you're getting down to those very low levels, you're probably anorexic or you're fasting for way too long and um, need to bring it back up to a healthy level to feel good and feel you'll feel quite sluggish and tired and cold and all those sorts of negative things mm -hmm. where you drive it too far down in the other direction. 
Well, then you start fiddling with your pituitary thyroid axis, mm. probably, and some other things. Because some of those, be, well, I, I believe what God's word says, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> and so an amazing that, complex system. That's right. But for somehow it works every day. We're, we're talking right now because it's all working. <laughs> but it is something that our body's protective. And mm. I know our thyroids will have to work harder mm. in certain times or mm. – um, another hormone yeah. has to come in and do the work of somebody else. Yeah. So that's yeah. maybe what happens with some of these people. Women who um, start fiddling too much with their hormones start um, losing their menstrual cycle. Yeah. And that's such a barometer. I mean, yeah, women's totally. periods. And, and now, I don't know if you understand or Marty know, now no woman I know has a period because they've all, they're on some type of hormone or birth mm. control that has removed it. And mm. my uh, endocrinologist, uh, I have uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis and right. vitiligo, a few things I see an mm. endocrinologist for. And he said, that's the worst thing that he's seen in the lane. He's 80 years old. So he's been mm. practicing for <laughs> 50 something years, but he said, the worst thing that I see are these women now that we, cause that used to be the barometer. A do your mm. doctor would come in and say, well, what's your monthly cycle like? Well, it's 10 days. Well, then that's irregular or I'm only having mm. it one day. Well, that's, it. Mm. but now women don't have them or they all have a two day period because mm. they're on some type of birth control. Yeah. Wow. And, and these are the things that, again, we talk about technology. People think this is amazing and I'm all for people. Don't, don't misread what I'm saying about birth control. I'm saying what it does to your endocrine system. Yeah. And it mess, it interrupts uh, any hormone that interrupts again, the way God made us, mm. I would be real wary about, I would mm. step back and go, Probably not the best thing for me. Yeah, I mean we're we're optimized to reproduce, and that's you know we are to that's continue right. the species. And if if you're over fasting or getting so lean that you're not able right. to maintain a period or, or feel you know testosterone for men, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it's just a sign that you're not getting enough energy and need more energy. So yeah, if your blood sugars are getting really really low and you're fasting for too long, then yeah a little bit of carbohydrate to get it back up is probably a good thing in your metabolism and your endocrine system and your thyroid hormone and everything is going to probably right itself and your cortisol is going to oh, improve because yeah, re re yeah, really yes, right. once you starve yourself to the point that your metabolism shuts down because there's no food around then you've you've gone too far in the other direction so yeah it's right. all about finding that nice happy optimal balance between the extremes well, and that's what you've kind of done because you said you did a seven-day fast. Mm. You've done shorter fast. You have a daily eating window now, Marty? Yeah, I'll, I'll generally start 10 or 11 with a, a protein-focused meal and um, then depending on my activity levels, you know, focus on refueling later on. Um, if I'm if my blood sugars are low, I'll, I'll use a bit of carbohydrate to bring it back up. And, yeah, so just finding that right balance and definitely the – protein-focused first meal just with in our data-driven fasting challenges seems to be the, the magic that helps people be satiated to get a solid amount of nutrients first up without too much energy. Even if their blood sugar is a little bit high, it just switches off their appetite for the rest of the day. Otherwise, they're getting till 8 o'clock at night and really hungry and just everything in the, the cupboard looks tempting at that point. It's hard to stop if you get really hungry later at night. Well, tell me what that looks like then, a protein-rich, um, where you break your fast. 
what do you pref- what what do you recommend for people? Yeah, um, when I'm at work, I'll have a, a salad with a couple of cans of mackerel or tuna or salmon. And at home, I'm, I'm a big fan of. We've got kangaroo here, which is basically a game meat. So it's on. I know everybody in America is what. I uh, but know, it, it, but but but, but it's, um, it's on the national emblem. But at the same time, it's a um. The dingo d- ate my baby. Yeah, I know, I know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, um, crazy stories, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, the just because of agriculture, there's they're a pest around the agriculture, so they're basically oh, okay. so they become game meat in the shops which um it's 80 percent protein and and good lean game meat with a lot of nutrients so i find that really satisfying earlier on the wife will make it into these little mini pizzas with some herbs and prosciutto and stuff on top and it tastes amazing so that's awesome burger pizzas so that i'll um or maybe some some lean yogurt or, or something earlier in the day and then later in the day you just go by appetite based on activity levels if i'm smashing in the gym then um you're you're a bit hungry and you need the refuel after you've done some deadlifts so are you checking how often are you checking your blood sugar at this part of the in where you are in this game yeah well i've I've got my appetite fairly well calibrated and i'm not looking to lose weight right now um but if i was i've gone through a number of periods of using the data-driven fasting approach and that's sort of how i designed it after i'd gained a bit more after one after doing a bunch of um, lifting and got a bit bigger, you just use the the blood sugars designed a spreadsheet to help me dial it back in. So yeah, it's just really effective. And then I started a Facebook group and started sharing it. And now there's eleven thousand people in the Facebook group and fifteen hundred. Awesome. And we just finished the challenge just before with fifteen hundred people in it. So yeah, it's it's just blowing up. It's really fun. That's awesome because what I just graduated from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition yeah, in New York, and there are people all over the world who are health coaches. And what we say there is it's the ripple effect. You know, mm. if we can just affect one life, who can then mm. affect one life? You know, and the ripple mm. gets bigger and bigger that we just, mm. we're doing this. I'm not selling anything mm. except good health. Mm. And that's all you're selling is, you know, it, but I've noticed, and I've mentioned this before in my podcast, I, one yeah. of my clients went, he was morbidly obese and um, has lost. He's a famous chef in the state and he allows me mm. to tell the story. Um, he, it's going to be a guest soon, but he's lost about 85 pounds. Wow. And his, obviously his type two diabetes medicine. Mm. I said, well now, cause I don't give health advice, but I, I coach people. So I say, now it's time to talk to your medical provider mm. about what his or her decision is on how much insulin because he was, he reads me his uh, glucose number every morning, and it's about one ten when he gets up in the morning. Yep. And I said, "That's great. There is a dawn effect. It might have even yep. spiked yep. a little bit." But yep. I go, "That that's great for a man who is I recovering mean, from diabetes. Yes, yeah. in terrible, terrible shape. I mean, bad knees, all the right. things. You know, sleep apnea, all the things. And so when he talked to his doctor about it, he said. You know, and the doctor said, "Why? Well, I, I wish everyone sat in front of me and lost eighty five pounds." <laughs> he said, "I'd love that. How'd you do it?" And he said, well, I, I did it through intermittent fasting. Mm. And the doctor goes, whatever, man. I mean, <laughs> he goes, this is what he said. Why, why don't you tell your pl- patients about it? He goes, whatever, man. Whatever, I man. said, you made him mad because he can't win the trip to Cabo now or to <laughs> Fiji, Fiji yeah. Islands, because he's not going to write as much metformin or what I think yeah. that's what he was on metformin yeah. and I said it's it's not necessarily conducive to what a group of people who are trained 
to just do pharmacology mm. and dosing mm. <laughs> what because we're healthy we we want people yeah. to be healthy yeah so they're not taking the medicines tell me some of the success stories you've had then of your clients and people who have read your book um and what they've done because you say in it that you can cure type 2 diabetes or reverse type <sighs> 2 diabetes however it's worded that yeah. your lawyers told you to order it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose uh, like my, my wife's A1C's gone from like 11 to, to the low fives consistently awesome. now. Back awesome. from like we talk about medications from like 80 units a day to 35 units of insulin a day, which is a wow. massive change. And um, it, it just it just works. Like um, when people dial in what they eat and when they eat and find the right balance um i suppose that's where i'm a little bit unique is that what you eat when you eat is important to help provide satiety that you talked about at the top yes um and then they just go okay my my, my lizard brain is calming down i'm not consumed with food anymore we just finished a a live finale with the, the last challenge and yeah just people saying just to to bring the the subconscious lizard brain into rain and you know, always consumed with food and and when I eat I'm thinking about you know how will this affect my blood sugar for the next meal and how hungry will it make me feel and what will it do to my blood sugar and just reflecting on that just gives you this immediate feedback where it doesn't seem to make you obsessively consumed with food you just that's well what informed. I was wondering does, does it make you cons obsessively mm. consume though with what am I going to eat? When am I going to eat it? Yeah, no, because you just go, okay, I, I don't have to wait for days. I, you know, is it? Do I have to kind of eat now? Or do I have to wait an hour? And you don't, have, you know, you're not having to wait for hours and hours and hours or days on end for this extended fasting magic. That at the end, you, you know, you may be healthier after not eating for a week, but when you refeed, you often don't choose good foods. So it's just a matter of right. going long enough so you can still choose good foods at the end of your fasting period if you're going so long that you're going for the lace potato chips or donuts or whatever at that point you've probably gone too long and, and triggered your binge survival instincts yeah but, that, but that's you, a good yeah. point to make i think that's um the trepidation or fear people have in the beginning with intermittent yeah. fasting is but will I binge? And now yeah. I never have, so I speak from my experience. Yeah. No, but I know people have. And it may just be that, that yeah. it's, it's gone, it flipped to the other side. It, you went yeah. too far. Yeah. And knowing when that is. Because Dr. Fung talks about two, and it's also with the Minnesota starvation mm. experiment uh, mm. with the World War II objectors in the 40s, mm. how it, if you do keep the body from getting the caloric needs it mm. has to have to survive your body will turn on you mm. and you will do nothing all you can do is think of food because yeah. you are so hungry but, so we never were cutting themselves to get out of the starvation experiment yes and, that's right you know, cutting right. off their own finger or to, to is that to, not crazy escape. It's, it, it, it is literally crazy so yeah. yeah that's a great thing i think for anyone let me write that down just because it's an important reminder <laughs> and it's also they they went crazy emotionally, not just how they would harden mm. themselves, but they couldn't even make sentences anymore mm. because the body has to have a caloric. Mm. We have a caloric needs. Mm. I don't know if anyone knows what they are and I, I don't know if they change. I mean, I know they change through your life because yeah, you have weight totally. gain as you get older. So, yeah. 
I don't know yeah. what it is, but it is important to know. One thing you haven't mentioned are the two vices I know for many, 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 many people is mm. sugar because it's in all those packaged foods we talked yep. about yep. and alcohol. What are what are your thoughts on that and how the body metabolizes it? Yeah, alcohol is really fascinating. Um, and alcohol by itself will actually it, – it, 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 it's like – your body fat is last in line to be burnt, and then you've got some of your carbohydrates, your glucose in your body, and your blood needs to be burnt before that. But then ketones and alcohol are really upstream because there's no storage tank for alcohol in your body. It's rocket fuel. It has to be burnt off immediately. So what will actually happen is your um, your body will stop all the fuels being released from storage for a period until you clear that alcohol. So you, Oh, you, so it's job number one. When we consume alcohol, our body puts everything else to the side to burn it. It's a priority. Yeah, yeah. So 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 you you will actually see blood sugars decrease, but that's only because your body uh, over here is saying, well we've got to shut off the release of all that until we filled sponge of glucose in your liver. We burn off the alcohol. So if you look at your blood sugar, it have to be burnt off first oh, before I the see. glucose okay. or the fat in your blood nutrients. You know, maybe it's it's a recreational drug, basically. It's just a dumb idea because you're going to be up and down and crashing and people with insulin resistance and diabetes will feel their blood sugars drop mm -hmm. again. And at that point, they're raging hungry and, and there's no stopping you from eating at that point. So like this... Roller coaster, you go up and like, wee, this is really fun. And then it's not just carbs or sugar. Because if I gave you a bowl of sugar and there's 3,000 calories worth of sugar, how much would you get through just the sugar by itself? Probably not that mm -hmm. much all by itself. But when you mm -hmm. combine the sugar with uh, this agriculture, with flavors and colors, it's every food for you to overeat. So, um, like, carbs and fat and it's something good just like you you helped a lady cross the road you you hugged your child it gives you a positive dopamine which is good but the carbs and fat together give this super it's like the constant scrolling on instagram you just can't give it up and it just reinforces it so it's like the, right. the latest potato chips you ate yesterday they just drive this hyperphagic binge response that you know you're not just going to eat Mm -hmm. one potato chip you can eat the whole packet and then two or three days down the track you're going to be wanting more of them or more of those foods because you know maybe winter's coming and you need to store fat for winter because those foods are only available mm -hmm. we've created this amazing food environment that you've got those franken foods available all the time well that leads me to also there's a, a philosophy among people that um, only eat the foods Mm. that are in season because the anti-nutrients that are provided from, uh, you know, the fruits mm. and vegetables, let's say just whatever we, we have a harvest here. Our summer is your winter. Our summer, we see, uh, mm. we love tomatoes in Arkansas in my state that I'm in, uh, berries and things like that. And so that's why our forefathers mm. canned mm. them and then fermented them and the mm. good benefits of that. Mm. But some of the purists say, they don't mm. then eat them out of season because yeah. the body needs a rest oh, from that. I what do you think about really all that? I think that's a fascinating angle on nutrition, thinking of not 
the circadian rhythm we talk about, you know, 24 hours in a day, but if you look at a circannual rhythm around the year, you've got, you know, winter may be the, right. the, the low low carb keto sort of thing where you don't have a lot of glucose mm-hmm. and then you've got spring, which is sort of a protein's very modified fast with lots of fiber and, and protein. Then you come into to summer when you've got the carbs, and then autumn where you've got the carbs and fat together, and then you're back into winter. So if you think of it as right. like, you know, what foods yeah. are available in your natural environment, you never have fat and carbs together. But we've created this amazing environment where 1908 we patented hydrogenation and you know the, the fat in our diet has gone up by 800 calories per person per day over the last 100 years. And then since the 50s and 60s, the Green Revolution, we've made a whole lot more carbohydrates from agricultural foods. And then now we combine them and every food throughout the year is the same formula that is like way more carb and fat together than than breast milk and nuts and these amazing foods that are unique in nature to, to make things grow quickly it'll store fat for winter and um we've just optimized ourselves have engineered ourselves into this amazing dystopian wildly like obesity so yeah but you know we understand that now and we can reverse it wow yeah if we want to i mean people think well this is the bounty that's before me that can have kiwi year round, but yeah. you really can't. I mean, yeah, I mean, you the would know. Kiwi's probably not going to kill you, but the um, the the the, the sugar starch no. and, and fat with the flavors and colors to make it look like it contains yeah. nutrients that it actually doesn't. That's what's going to kill you. It doesn't, right? Yeah. Now, do you have uh, down under? Do you guys have a, a eating holiday? You know, we have Thanksgiving, which is an eating holiday. Do you all have that? Anything that's all food all day. <laughs> There's always a reason to overeat that's right. somewhere. But not so intermittent. You, you, guys, you know, and they right, try to not lose intermittent it. fasters because yeah. we have an appistat <laughs> that is is regulating our food intake. And that's yeah. really, um, I, I start a new yeah, uh, health coaching groups like every other week. And so this is the time of year people are kind of gripping on going, how are we going to make it? And I mm. said, you're going to love it because intermittent fasting mm. gives you you have control and yet you have freedom at the same mm. time that mm. Mm. I'm not worried about weight gain during the holidays because yeah. that's why I was saying my appetite control center in the brain tells yeah. me I'm done. And so at Thanksgiving, yeah. I just put a, probably a taste, a tablespoon, a little tasting of what's yeah. there. And if I yep. want the, someone's bringing yep. coconut cake, I don't eat gluten, but I'm going to on that day. You know what I'm saying? I give myself permission <laughs> to do that. Now, it, it, yeah, grace. it's just part of that. Again, that's why I said intermittent fasting being a practice. That's part of the practice of intermittent fasting yeah. and self-control. Yeah, it's really important to, to um, learn your true hunger. And yes. once you understand what your true hunger signals are, you can then go, I'm hungry, I'm full. And you just don't have this continual, I'm eating everything that's available all the time and then when it comes to thanksgiving you just yeah go on yeah right it's again that's the freedom that you have with intermittent fasting that you have i have control over food food does not control me and this is my favorite one of my favorite things we say about intermittent fasting is that hunger is not an emergency that if you feel mm, hunger you're totally. okay you'll you you can yeah. delay it an hour or two or three yeah uh, yeah, seven yeah, days. Definitely. I don't know. I've definitely. done 40 hour fasts and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> but seven days. <laughs> I, 
Yeah, the, the, the was, electrolytes and a bunch of things become really say, important. Do you do those time. LMNT electrolytes? Have you tried those? Yeah, um, actually, the the Keto Gains guys are, are and Rob Wolf right. are good friends of mine. I'm actually wearing a um Keto okay. Gains shirt with my name on it for funsies. Is that right? So yeah, Lewis sent me a yeah Lewis wow. sent me a, a, a shirt. Um, so yeah, he's a, he's a good friend, and they sent me a bunch of boxes of the LMNT. So yeah, but um, yeah, and I've been doing a bunch of analysis recently, and and the Potassium, calcium, sodium are really, really critical to satiety. So we don't just chase protein okay. in the environment. We we eat to get those other mineral nutrients, particularly particularly the minerals. Okay. We crave those. So as much as we've shunned sodium, you know, maybe that was the worst thing for us to try and minimize it's, it's, sodium because our body needs sodium. We need to have potassium and sodium together in balance. And um, calcium and, and yeah everything else. So all all of the nutrients play a role in our cravings, and we just need to satisfy that without excess energy. Yeah, I just had my first LMNT today, the citrus salt, and it's salty and it's yeah. delicious. Yeah. I mean, pre- yeah, pretty fun. Yeah, pretty yeah, fun yeah. tasting. They've made made salt salt right. taste really well. Cool. And it's we're villainizing the wrong white thing if we're villainizing salt. It's sugar. Mm. You know, if you're going to remove anything from totally, your diet, totally. don't remove salt. But you can reduce the sugar and everybody will be happy. Well, uh, and the white process. Yeah, right. Flour. Well, that's a whole nother hour of conversation because. Uh, <laughs> so, do you have the our gluten our wheat crop crop here in the U.S. Obviously, has been manipulated manipulated through GMOs and other things the last thirty years. It's a bigger yep. crop and it produces sickness. People get sick from it. Do you have the yep. celiac uh, diseases that we do in the U.S.? Yeah, it's pretty much similar. I think in the US they're less, um, they clamp down on the glyphosate so they don't have the same amount of issues in, in Europe. Yeah. But yeah, you guys have basically exported your agricultural technology all over the world, for mm-hmm. better or for worse. Right. Huh. And again, that's another conversation too. So, okay. you. Um, I could talk about it I know, all day. You, you have a brain that doesn't stop. So uh, the, the cool thing about this, we're recording this on a Saturday night in Arkansas at 6.30 p.m. And it's 8.30 a.m. So it's already Sunday for you. Yep. So um, it's yep. uh, just a big time. It is a big time of year for us as we go into the holiday season. And you know what? People can da- download your book right now, Data Driven Fasting, yep. and get all the information. Yep. And then your website is that the Optimizing Nutrition? Yeah, Optimizing Nutrition is the main blog, and then we've got a few other things. Data okay. Driven Fasting, they can Google that, and there's a free manual and a baselining spreadsheet that they can download and check it out and have a play with their blood sugars and see what they can learn. Think it's a whole it's- lot of fun. They love it. People, people actually they get addicted to testing their blood sugars. I think I'm really going to try it. So. I think I'm. I did the CGM yeah, for a couple of weeks and it showed me that I had normal responses to things, but I I yep. would like to tweak it and I think that's the next step. So yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.